It's June 9, 2023. Time for episode 225 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Guess who's back? And I got a new mic. <laughs> yes. Um, thank you for joining me. I'm sorry I had that that moment. I mean, this is really nice. This mic is great. I mean, same model that I had, just a little bit of an upgrade. The old mic died. It served me well. I can't be too upset. But I'm glad I got it back. The podcast must go on. And we start today, the Friday show with the NBA finals game four tonight, 830 on ABC in Miami. Denver leads two games to one. So game three, let's do a quick recap of game three. Denver wins the game 109 to 94. So pretty tight first half. Uh, Denver takes over in the second half. But get this, as you hopefully if you saw and recall, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray become the first teammates in finals history to have a triple-double each, a 30-point triple-double to boot. Uh, Jokic goes for 32 points, 21 rebounds, 10 assists. Jamal Murray goes for 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And I think Murray got that last rebound, I think, with about two, two and a half minutes to go in the game. So that was big. But again, the other piece of this kind of, we kind of like to look at some of the other things that kind of, you know, impact the game. Denver out rebounds Miami 58 to 33. It wasn't even close in the rebounding department uh, for Miami. Jimmy Butler goes for 28. And, you know, I would expect Butler to have, you know, a big game. Now, of course, you know, he has a monster game. Of course, you know, the, the team goes, you know, he has a great cast of characters around him. But I just really think and, and I said I thought this was going to be a six game series. I still stick with that. You know, I make a prediction here. We go with it. And I still say go six. I still have Denver winning this. But again, with this, uh, when it went one one, I go, we got a series. That game one was just crazy as hell. Like I said, I, I first half, I said, I'm out of here. I can't watch any more. This is just getting out of hand. But um, for Miami, um, some bad news here. Um, so remember, Tyler Hero has a broken right hand. He has not been cleared, so he will not be available for game four tonight. So the Heat, they will press on in their effort to try to make continue to make this a series so we go two apiece then of course you know per my prediction Denver's got to win two more games so we'll see how it goes but we'll check back with you next week over to the NHL the Stanley Cup Finals game three Florida 3-2 over Las Vegas last night Carter Verwege game-winning goal at 427 of overtime and for Florida this is their first victory in the Stanley Cup Finals. So previously to this, prior to this game, they were 0-6 in the Stanley Cup Finals. But check this out. They have, Florida, they've been really spectacular in overtime. Uh, Florida in overtime in the playoffs is 7-0. They have more overtime wins than regulation wins in the playoffs. That is nuts. But there's been so many late game heroics. So I think the last time we, I think to get to the, Stanley Cup final to an East Conference final. Uh, Matthew Chuchuk had that game-winning goal that had to be reviewed, but it stood, and that pushed them uh, to this point. So they've had a lot of heroics in overtime. The team was very confident that they could pull it out. Um, they you know, basically just said, look, we, we push. We know we can get to where we got to go, and they managed to do that. Speaking of Matthew Chuchuk, he tied the game at two apiece with 213 remaining in overtime. So, uh, you know, if this is a game – you know, in the series with Flores involved, Matthew Chuck is always going to have his hand 
in this game in some way. So he ties the game. Carter Verwege wins it for the Panthers. So game four, Saturday, 8 p.m. TNT in Miami. So we'll see how this goes. And I think I actually I think I predicted Florida to win this series, I think. So I gotta go back in my notes, but I think I did predict Florida. So so far, uh two, what I said is two one. Did I say? I didn't say. Anyway, I'm going with Florida. We'll see how it goes. To the WNBA, we had uh, one game last night, Las Vegas and Connecticut. Connecticut beats the defending champs 94 to 77. So for the Aces, that's their first loss of the season. But the biggest story last night was Dewana Bonner. She goes off 41 points for the Connecticut star, 16 for 23 from the field and five or seven from three point land. I mean, when you're shooting like that, I mean, you know, when you. When you feel it, you feel it. You're shooting. You can't miss. Everything goes in. You just have a night. And Dewana Bonner was not going to be denied last night. So the Aces, first loss of the season for them. They should still be on top of the WNBA standings. For the Aces, Kelsey Plum uh, leads them in scoring with 16 points. Four, let's look at the weekend. So tonight's game. So we have one Commissioner's Cup game. And here's what's going to make it easy. I'm going to give you the times. All the games are going to be on WNBA Ion. So we'll just give you the times. And, and I think this is going to be mostly regional action since it's all Ion. But first game of the night, 730, Liberty at the Dream. That's the Commissioner's Cup game. The remaining games are regular, you know, standings games. Mercury at Wings at 8, Fever at Lynx at 8, Sky at Sparks at 10, and Mystics at Storm at 10. No Saturday game, so we'll go into Sunday. So Sunday across the ESPN landscape are most of the games. First game, ABC, 1 p.m., Wings at Liberty. Uh, then follow at 3 p.m., Mystics at Storm. On ESPN3, the Sky visit the Aces at 3. And then at 4 o'clock, same channel, Sun at Dream. Two other games that are not televised, the, the Mercury visit the Fever. And the Sparks visit the Lynx for a Commissioner's Cup matchup. Let's move over to NASCAR. Kyle Busch last Sunday wins the Enjoy Illinois 300. He led 121 of 240 laps for his third win of the season. Um, wow. Um, it's interesting. We'll go through the wins in just a second, looking at the top 10. But uh, that was a, a I think that race got red flagged at one point. Yeah, they had uh, some uh, thunder issues at the beginning. So it started at thunder. And I think there was one red flag towards the middle of the race with an accident. It wasn't a terrible accident, but there was a little bit of debris on the feet on the uh, course, uh, actually more towards the end. And they had uh, I think they had about 10 cautions. So what's funny, and uh, Mike Joy, the the voice of uh, Fox on NASCAR, the lead voice, said that, you know, we go from having the Coca-Cola 600 as the longest race in NASCAR, 600 laps. Again, the the story is the Indianapolis 500 has 500 laps. So they said, let's have the Coca-Cola 600. Petty as hell. But (laughs) the Enjoy Illinois 300 is NASCAR's shortest race. And because of all the delays due to either... Uh, weather or the red flags they race into the night so they and it was central time so it was the beginning going towards sunset when the race was in its final uh final laps and mike joy's like well now the the shortest race in nascar is now the longest race uh of the season so let's look at the top 10 here so we'll do top 10 points and wins uh, currently leading with 495 points is Ryan Blaney. He's won one race. William Byron is second with 482 points. He's won three races. Here's the interesting thing. Kevin Harvick. So Kevin Harvick has 473 points, sits third place, has no wins, but 
He's led a number of laps. He's had some top 10 finishes and he has stage points. So he's kind of in the mix as far as if he doesn't win a race, he kind of can get into the playoff kind of on points. But that's kind of a a dicey proposal. It kind of works more in his favor if we keep having these multiple winners, because you only need one one win, as we know, to get into the playoffs. But if we have multiple winners, then the folks who like folks like Kevin Harvick and Ross Chastain, who's in fifth place currently in the points with no wins, they can kind of slide into the playoffs. Um, fourth is Martin Truex Jr. four hundred seventy two points. As I mentioned, Ross Chastain at fifth, four hundred sixty six points. Uh, Martin Truex has one win. Uh, sixth place is Christopher Bell, four hundred fifty five points, one win. Tied for seventh, Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin at four hundred fifty one points. Bush has three wins, as we mentioned, and Denny Hamlin has one win. Tied for ninth are Kyle Larson and Tyler Reddick. Larson, two wins. Reddick has one win. So, um, as I said, we are past the halfway point of the season. And now, you know, we are at a point where, you know, again, every lap led, every stage point, uh, even obviously getting yourself in the position to win counts. The wins are what really get you there. The points are great. But if we can get that one person who hasn't won a race yet to win, so someone like a Kevin Harvick or Ross Chastain, who are currently in the top 10, or someone who isn't on the win radar right now, if they can get that win, then that puts them in position for the playoffs. Sunday, they go to the Sonoma Road Course for the Toyota Save Mart 350. They'll go 110 laps. The green flag drops sometime after 3.30 on Fox. So as a reminder, no race next weekend. So it's Father's Day. The season resumes June 25th on NBC. College softball. Oklahoma wins the series over Florida State 2-0. They win 3-1 last night. Oklahoma wins their third straight softball title. So they join an elite list of college programs to have three-peated. I think Stanford Gymnastics and one other one that escapes me. Congratulations to the Sooners. I mean, they are a juggernaut. And the and the way it's looking, not nothing's going to stop them anytime soon. They are they have really put together some great softball at Oklahoma. You know, shout out to Florida State for a great season. So Oklahoma, get this. They finished the season, wait for it, 61 and 1. They had one loss. I don't know who they lost to, but could you imagine <laughs> if they're going 62 and 0? That'd just been ridiculous. But 61 and 1 is quite a feat. Florida State finishes the season at 58 and 11. When we come back, we'll talk some tennis. So the French Open, the men's semis, just con- uh, half the men's semis are done. I'll update that. We got some college baseball that's happening. The Super Regionals are on right now. We'll go through horse racing because, of course, the last of the Belmonts, the last of the Triple Crown, the Belmont Stakes is Saturday. We'll talk some Women's World Cup. And, of course, as we go every Friday, we'll get dubs and L's. Stay tuned.
All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's go to the French Open. So let's recap the men's quarters. Uh, top seed Carlos Alcaraz defeated Stefanos Tsitsipas, seven seeded, 6 2, 6 1, 7 6, 7 5 in the tiebreaker. Three seeded Novak Djokovic defeated Karen Kachanov, 11th seeded, 4 6, 7 6, 7 on the tiebreaker, 6 2, 6 4. Four seeded Casper Rudd over six seeded Holger Rune, 6 1, 6 2, 3 6, 6 3. And 22nd seed Alexander Zarev over Thomas Martin Echeverry, 6 4. Three six six three six four. So the men's semis are going on currently. Novak Djokovic so wins his uh, uh, match against Carlos Akaraz six three five seven six one six one. Currently, Zarev and Rudd right now. Casper Rudd has won the first set six three. Zarev leads three two in the second set. So we'll recap everything. The men's final will be Sunday nine a.m. on NBC. We'll recap. All the French Open and the whereabout and whom, what, where, and what happened <laughs> on next week's show. The women's final. Um, Carolina Muchova uh, versus, uh, I'm sorry, in the semifinals, rather. Carolina Muchova uh, beat, uh, ooh, defeated, sorry, defeated. I, I was like, Iga Swiatek defeated. Oh my gosh. Let's try this again. Iga Swiatek will take on Carolina Muchova. Muchova defeated second seed Arna Sabalenka, 7-6, 7-5, 6-7, Swiatek defeated Beatrice Haddad Maya, 6-2, 7-6, and 9-7 in tiebreak. Was reading that totally backwards. But anyway, you get the idea. The women's final tomorrow, 9 a.m. on NBC. Horse racing. Let's go over to the 155th Belmont Stakes. We'll go off tomorrow, so we only have nine horses in the field. So as we said, this is the longest of the Triple Crown races, the test of the champion, the run for the Carnations. Forte, let's go back to the Kentucky Derby. Forte was scratched on race day at Churchill Downs. Forte will race in the Belmont Stakes, has the current best odds, at least as updated as I've seen, of 5-2. to two. Forte will race out of the sixth post. This is a Todd Pletcher uh, trained horse. Also trained by Todd Pletcher is Tappet Trice. Tappet Trice is coming out of the two post at three to one. Remember, Tappet Trice finished seventh in the Derby. From the eight post, the third place horse in the Derby, Angel of Empire, comes out at seven to two. National Treasure, who won the Preakness Stakes, coming from the four post is five to one. And from the three post, Arcangelo at eight to two. The remainder of the field have double digit odds. So, also, there's a lot of uncertainty with the running of the race this weekend, as we have been experiencing here on the East Coast due to the poor air quality from all the smoke from the Canadian fires. Um, we've been you know, having poor air quality in cities like New York, Washington, D.C., um, all the way down to Georgia. Racing yesterday was postponed at Belmont Park due to the poor air quality. Um, Governor, uh, New York Governor Kathy Hochul has said that if air quality exceeds 200, the race could be postponed. If the air quality is deemed anywhere between 150 and 200, horses that pass a pre-race veterinary exam will be permitted to race. So I can say this much, at least in the DMV, the air quality is much better. I think we're code yellow today. I think we were a couple days ago, code, code orange. It ramped up to code red yesterday, which was Thursday. And we're back to code yellow. We're about normal. It actually, I walked outside this morning and it doesn't smell smoky. It doesn't look like someone's burning paper in their backyard, which is always a good thing. In other words, I can look down the street and actually see my neighbor's cars 
uh, and they look clear as a bell. So Fox. So I kind of goofed. Uh, I think the last time I talked about the, the Belmont, I go, huh? Well, as always, you know, it's NBC for the Triple Crown races, but they threw me a curveball here. Fox. So the Fox Networks, Fox, FS1, FS2 will show the races. So all the pre-race festivities will be between Fox 1, FS1, FS2. The uh, main draw towards leading up to the Belmont will be on Fox. Post time for the race is 7.02 p.m. Eastern. So um, looking at this, I haven't really had a lot of time to look at uh, this field that closely, but I don't know. I, I'm liking I'm liking Forte and National Treasure right now. I mean, if you look at these horses, Forte, Tappet Trice, Angel of Empire and National Treasure, I feel like those are the four horses that, that are going to contend for this thing. The other horses, again, considering that this is a long race, um, any horse could come out of this thing. But I think those are the four horses you should look at. Um, I'll probably tomorrow sit with my betting app and go, mm, I'm just going to try to figure this out. But I'm feeling good about either Forte or National Treasure. I feel like National Treasure is probably on the right uh, the right trajectory considering um, you know that the horse came out and won, won the uh, won the Preakness. Um, Angel of Empire, I think, could make this interesting, but I think if I had to go to three horses, I would take Angel. Of, uh, I would take. Uh, I, Kind of doing this right off the cuff, I would say Forte, Tappet, Trice, and National Treasure will be your three if you're going to do, you know, if you're one of those folks that likes to do, uh, was it the, was it uh, super uh, trifecta? If you like to do the trifecta, personally, I would say Forte, Tappet, Trice, National Treasure. If you're the superfecta kind of person, throw Angel of Empire in there and have fun with it. But I think those four horses with those odds, I think they're going to be the horses to watch. But of course, keep your ears out. Hopefully, let's knock on wood here. No horses get scratched tomorrow, and the the race does run. That everything is okay as far as as far as the air quality situation is going. Because I mean, man, New York was they got hit really bad. So, um, you know, shout out to all my listeners in New York. I hope you guys are doing well. That you know, the air is getting better. Because I mean, it literally. Um, Someone posted pictures like this is like Blade Runner. I was like, it's exactly like Blade Runner. It is beyond scary and spooky as to how, you know, just surreal that was that the air was just that cloudy and murky um, because of the direction of the wind from those fires in Canada. So hopefully we're going to see the end of this coming fairly soon. But, uh, you know, we got to hope for some uh, got hope some good weather to kind of tamp this down some some weather that can tamp it down a little bit we got good weather but uh maybe some rain will help this situation out uh for our friends uh across the border here to our north all right let's go with the college baseball the super regionals are have started there's a, a one game co- going on currently the noon game top of the eighth from charlottesville duke five virginia four game one of best of three so this was four to it was four to three a couple minutes ago. So as I'm looking at the box score again, it's five four Duke. So it's five runs, nine hits, no errors for the Blue Devils. Four runs, six hits, and one error for the Cavaliers. The rest of today's schedule: the next game won't start until 5 p.m. ESPN U, ESPN Plus. 
Texas Christian uh, at well at Indiana State. Technically, Indiana State is the higher seed, but the game is being played in Fort Worth. I believe there was a uh, issue with all the hotels. Uh, I think it's in Terre Haute, if I recall correctly. Uh, I think that's where Indiana State is. Anyway, all the hotels in town were booked, and I believe they're having a, a, a Special Olympics event. So they switched the venue of the game to Fort Worth, and I believe TCU uh, donated 25000 to the Special Olympics. Um, so shout out to them for that. Um, 15 seeded South Carolina heads to Gainesville to take on uh, second seeded, <laughs> second seeded Florida. Sometimes my writing just looks really weird. That game, 6 p.m. ESPN 2. And then Oral Roberts heads to Eugene to take on Oregon, 8 p.m. ESPN. Saturday, all of these series will have their game two. So those game times will be about the same. I think Duke, Virginia will go off at noon again tomorrow. TCU, Indiana, about six o'clock and then go on from there. South Carolina, Florida, blah, 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 blah. However, these series will start tomorrow. Number 16, Alabama visits Wake Forest, top seeded in the tournament, noon ESPN, ESPN Plus. Number 12, Kentucky heads to the Bayou to take on fifth seeded LSU, 3 p.m. ESPN and ESPN Plus. Tennessee goes to Southern Miss, 3 p.m. as well, but that game will be on ESPNU and ESPN Plus. Texas heads to the farm to take on number eight, Stanford, 6 p.m. ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. So we'll recap all of the action. So there's a possibility, depending on how all these series go, these series could be a quick turnaround where you could have uh, winners from today have the opportunity to finish their series tomorrow. If not, they'll force a decisive game three on Monday, if I because they're, they're going to play straight through the weekend to determine who will go to the College World Series. Women's World Cup. So FIFA released their top five, more or less their top 10. We'll talk through the whole thing, but their top five. The top five in the FIFA World Women's Rankings have not changed. For, uh, U.S., the United States, the defending champs, number one since 2017. They stay in place, followed by Germany, Sweden third, England fourth, France fifth, six through ten. Six through ten. Spain, Canada, Brazil, the Netherlands, and Australia. Australia is co-hosting the uh, World Cup with New Zealand. It will start July 20th and run through August 20th. Now, the U.S. women's roster. The roster will be announced within about three weeks. There are about 23 roster spots. And uh, head coach Vlatko uh, it was Andorovsky has a lot of decisions to make. So his preferred style, he likes a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. Wow, 4-3-2-1, like I'm testing my microphone here. But 23 roster spots open. He has to consider formations. We're talking about four weeks worth of play. If you have injuries, suspensions, you know, who's going to kind of fill in these roster spots and who's going to play complimentary. And also, does, will he have the roster to kind of fill in if, you know, knock on wood again, if there's injury, there's suspension. So, uh, for example, Rose Lavelle. So midfielder Rose Lavelle is out currently. They're hoping she will be ready at 100 percent to play. But again, the jury's still out on that. Um, returning Kelly O'Hara on defense and Julie Ertz at midfield, they have been out. So now the question is, you know, how quickly do they kind of fall into 
you know, the routine of the training. Uh, can they, you know, do enough considering they've been out to earn a roster spot? So, so kind of the, what I've been reading here is, you know, nothing has really been uh, get nothing's guaranteed that although they are veterans, they have played on World Cup winning teams. Nothing's guaranteed, and, and we've got a lot of young talent in the pipeline uh, who's uh, who, who are fighting for these spots as well. But also returning defense on defense, Becky Sauerbrunn and Crystal Dunn, midfielder Christy Mewis, forwards Alex Morgan, Trinity Rodman, who's who will be new, um, uh, Alyssa Thompson. So Alyssa Thompson is one of those new stars I mentioned. She's currently 18. She could potentially be the youngest player on the roster. And she only earned her first international cap eight months ago. So that would be quite a leap if this young lady gets an opportunity. But at 18, I mean, we're talking she could play in several World Cups and you'll get that experience and contribute to uh, this great um, legacy that the U.S. Women team, women's team has had over a number of years. But also returning is Megan Rapino. So Megan Rapino, 38 years old. The talk is that she potentially will come off the bench because, again, you know, going out and playing not playing 90 minutes at 38 doesn't sound far fetched. But I think she would be more useful kind of coming in and impacting a game again off the bench to kind of give the team a spark plug. So so, you know, a lot of the names are a lot of new names out there all vying for roster spots. I mean, um, Roosevelt, I love her game. Crystal Dunn, she just gets it done. She she can push up into the midfield. She can drive the ball uh, pretty deep. I mean, she's really she she's a defender who can work her way upfield. And you know, you like to see, I like seeing that. Uh, Becky Sauerbrunn's tough, uh, but of course, Christy Mewis, she gets it done. So I mean, so many great and Alex Morgan, you know what she can do. So couple with the veterans and the newcomers. This is still looking like a team that can defend this world title. But again, don't don't get it twisted. The rest of the world knows what they're dealing with when it comes to U.S. women's soccer. And they just got to come with it and bring it uh, every game to kind of see can they knock the U.S. off their off the pedestal here. All right. Let's get to dubs and L's and then we'll get out of here for a Friday. So, hmm, I got all L's today. You know, it's (laughs) I, and I think this happens from time to time. It's kind of hard. Sometimes you got a, an abundance of dubs and no L's, and that's fine. I love that. And sometimes you got all L's, and you can't really find the good that's happening. I mean, I dug a little bit. I mean, sometimes I go into some some sites that you may not think would have sports news, and boom, there you go. But a couple dubs. Um, I think you might know what one of them is, and I'm not going to get too deep into it because I kind of want to – potentially maybe have a show and discuss it, but let's go into one of the other dubs. This is from baseball. So Toronto pitcher, Anthony Bass. So he apologized for an anti LGBTQIA plus post that he, uh, re shared on his Instagram. And, you know, I, I really think that this guy, so I remember seeing some Twitter posts that he had and I, you know, 
And he was saying about he his wife was on some flight with their kid and the kid made this mess and the wife goes on and on about, well, why isn't anyone cleaning this up or something crazy like that to that degree? And Bass loses his mind like, oh, you know, this, you know, why did this happen? You know, my what my pregnant wife should have to do this. I'm going, yeah, your pregnant wife should have because she should have told your kid not to make the freaking mess. So he, he I mean, he got flamed on Twitter. I mean, he just got destroyed and he sounded like an idiot. So now he does this, which I'm going, OK, it sounds like he's like that guy, that new guy in Major League Baseball who just wants to be the controversial dude. So he he basically posts this thing. And, and, and it's crazy how you post something and then you get all the backlash in the world and then you go, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. You knew what you posted. It's not like you you quickly just posted it and then go, oh, shoot, I didn't read it. I'm sorry. You knew what you posted. So to me, I feel like his apology is trash. You know, he's basically saying, yeah, I have a lot to learn. And he's going to meet with um, some a number of, uh, I think, a director of a equity group in Toronto. I think he's going to catch the first pitch from uh, some members of the LGBTQ uh, IA plus community for Pride Night in Toronto. So at the Rogers Center, they're, you know, got the rainbow flags and they're having Pride Night uh, in Toronto. But. I, I really feel like this is going to happen again. Like, he, you know, you, you don't post something knowing what you posted and then apologize like, oh, I don't know what I was doing. I mean, yes, he was right to apologize. But come on, dude. You, really? I, I really feel like that was kind of a BS apology. But um, let's just keep an eye on this. Let's just let's just have Anthony Bass watch because I'm sure he's going to do something really stupid again, uh, probably more sooner than later. Um, my other L is, of course, the announcement that the PGA and the LIV uh, tours are going to merge. I mean, I was blown away. I, I thought it was a joke. I'm going, wait, 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 they're doing what now? And Jay Monahan, the uh, commissioner of the PGA. So one of the first things he said in the statement was, eh, yeah, I know people are going to call me a hypocrite. Well, add me to the list, Jay Monahan. You, sir, are a hypocrite a major hypocrite and a major something else as well. Um, so here's kind of something that I read and it kind of made sense that this, it went in this direction. Each side could have in theory sued each other in perpetuity. Here's the problem. LIV has way more money. Now, again, it's kind of like, okay, well that's all well and good. But the other thing that someone pointed out was that the discovery. So here's the thing that people may or may not understand about law. If you go to court, each side has to say, okay, this is, these are the things I'm bringing. These are the things I'm presenting. And discovery is a mother. <laughs> and sometimes you just go, Hmm. So if I'm going through with this lawsuit, do I want my business on front street? More than likely, both sides are kind of going, Hmm. LIV then want their business on Front Street. PGA then want their business on Front Street. So instead, they basically said, well, how can we all benefit from this? And it doesn't surprise me from that standpoint, but I really feel like with all the trash that was taught by Jay Monahan, and then you decide, well, maybe we can make this work. And then, of course, all the other sides, you know, the, the USGA, the RNA, 
uh, the chairman of the masters are all like, oh, this is great. We don't want all the bickering. We want what's good for golf. This is going to grow the game. No, it's not. Stop the stop the crap. This is not going to grow anything. This is essentially a win win for everybody in both of those circles. And the PGA literally just gave the LIV a larger platform to sports wash. That's all this is. In other words, they were over here on the side. They were floundering. Here's the other thing. If you remember their first year, their gate numbers were terrible. They did not make a cent off of this, but they said they were willing, the the folks in charge of LIV, they were willing to spend, and I quote, as much money as possible to make this thing work. They were floundering. They had to give the tickets away. TV was terrible. Um, so they're floundering. And I think they're, one PGA uh, pro said it best. They said, so basically, the LIV tour is drowning. We just threw them a life, a life preserver. I'm going amazing. A freaking amazing. I, what else do you, what else can you say to this? This is trash. This is, this is not good for golf. In my personal opinion, this is terrible for golf. It's again, it goes, it goes to greed. It goes to giving people who want to make themselves look better, a platform to make it appear that they're good people when they're not. And it it directs attention away from all of the political, just the political uh, bad, the bad political stuff that's happening. That's all it is. And this is kind of part of a bigger plan. But here's the part that people aren't paying attention to. This is part of the bigger plan that essentially by having these interests, these Saudi interests buying up. Uh, uh, an EPL team here, um, starting LIV, uh, interest here, interest there. They're spreading their interests. But again, this is their way of getting to folks like us, Americans, who are like, oh, we love sports. We love sports. And again, it's, well, we love sports. We don't care what you stand for. Mm, do you not really? 9-11, guys. Come on now. Come on. Use your brains. Use your noodles for just a second here. 9-11. Say, that, say it to yourself a couple times. That's what we're talking about. So I, I, I kind of want to delve into this a little bit more, but uh, I, I just think that, that and I felt so bad for Rory McIlroy. I mean, McIlroy had a press conference, and he basically said, I feel betrayed, and, 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 he, and rightfully so. He should. I mean, Monaghan just basically – just slaughtered these guys. Now, here's the other piece. Everyone's talking about some, well, these guys who still for the PGA could have made all this money. But here's the thing. I applaud those guys who didn't go because, again, for them, it's about principle. It's about, OK, they make enough money. But it's the idea that the PGA, at least as it was, the PGA. And this is just my 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 thought here. The PGA stands for something. Professional Golfers of America. So when you think professionalism, you think about this idea that there's something to playing on this tour, that you have to com comport yourself in a certain way, that you play at a high level, you compete at a high level, you act in a certain way, and that you stand for something. For me, by doing this, the PGA doesn't stand for anything anymore. The PGA essentially has just laid down to make money. They just laid down for greed and they basically have laid down to allow for a 
politically problematic regime to continue to spread a false message that, oh, well, we're not terrible. I mean, don't you know, ignore all of this stuff. Focus on all these great sports we're bringing you because that's what you value. And, you know, I, I, that's that's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, it's it. they've literally just essentially hoard themselves out for this. That's bottom line. All right. So with that, I leave you. This show is actually a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> um, I feel like when I have a lot, I'm going, oh, this will go quickly. And there you go. It goes uh, pretty long. But there's your quick overview from the week from last week leading up to the weekend. Before I go, I do want to give a shout out to my man, Alex. He's known here in the DMV as the Beltway Golfer. Wanted to uh, just thank him for an outstanding outing this past week uh, at uh, Bretton Woods uh, Golf Course, the, what he called the Bank Roller Bretton Woods. Had a great time. Um, dude, you got to do it again. I, I mean, even I know it's late in the season where, uh, you know, maybe all the golf courses have maybe booked up for specific events, but hell, do something formal. But if you do this again next year, I'm there. Whatever you do next year, I'm there. Thank you. You're an excellent host. And as I said to you before, I love I love to have you in the show sometime. So expect a DM from me really soon. But um, and shout out to all the participants at the uh, at at the uh, the outing as well. Great time. Um, great beer. Uh, great food. So all the good stuff. But Brentwood's is beautiful. Um, it's a private club, but. If I had it like that, I'd see if I can join. But that's that's neither here nor there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, with that, I leave you. So thank you for tuning in to the Friday edition of Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Please, if you like the show, share it. Give me a five-star rating if you can. Um, you know, Listen, uh, if you're new to the show, welcome Go back through the archives. There's a lot of shows. Start at one and work your way forward. <laughs> and if you do that, I really appreciate you. Um, also, uh, with the with the things that are going this week, if you're on the East Coast, continue to stay healthy, uh, protect yourself. I know the air quality is getting better, but hopefully this thing in Canada will end uh, very soon. But until I talk to you again, uh, outside of that, remember to do everything you can to stay healthy. I, I've, I've been hearing people are you know, getting COVID and COVID is not going anywhere anytime soon. So continue to stay healthy, protect yourself, and always remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.